Hello, everyone. Welcome to this day of preparation for the full moon, which occurs here in New York tomorrow morning at 10.56 a.m. We really appreciate your taking the time to work together um, because together we can help to bring down some of the energies and qualities of the particular sign under consideration and play our part in serving the great planetary life in whom we live and move and have our being. As we know, one of the primary tasks to humanity is to help reestablish the divine circulatory flow of energy, which we're told has been disrupted on our planet. And so because humanity was the center that disrupted this flow, it is humanity's responsibility to do what we can to help to reestablish it. And the work that we do together each month at the time of the full moon is really because it's a bridging work. It's helping to create a bridge of lighted, loving communication between the spiritual hierarchy and humanity, thereby releasing the soul's light within our world. But more broadly, when we speak of the opportunity of this time, we clearly don't mean simply the opportunity of any particular full moon period, any astrological cycle, or any other type of cycle but rather we're referring to the overall collective opportunity of this entire time within planetary history, which is said to be unprecedented. This period is described by many names in ancient teachings. So I'd just like to name a few of them. It's called a time of rending. It's the ending of an age. In the Bhagavad Gita, it's called the time of the withering of the law and the uprising of lawlessness. In the New Testament, it's called a time of the false prophets. And in the Ageless Wisdom teachings, it's described as a time when the light of the second ray of love wisdom is moving to the West. And it's also known as a time in many of preparation for the return of the world teacher. But there are, of course, many, many other names, and all of them point to the fact that this is no ordinary time in which we're living. So this full moon work in which we're involved with its rhythmic beating serves to flood the world with the soulful qualities of each zodiacal energy. And this aids in to this opportunity that's unfolding before us. So as we do each month, let's now come together as a group in a moment of silence to connect with all the people throughout the world. And there are thousands um, who are working at this full moon time. And we'll follow that by sounding an ancient mantra.
Lead us, O Lord, from darkness to light, from the unreal to the real, from death to immortality. So tonight we're working with the importing energies of Libra. And the Tibetan opens his chapter on this sign by stating that it holds very little distinction of any kind, except in the case of those who are approaching the spiritual path, at which point it becomes of exceeding importance. At that stage, the Libran energy serves to upset the apple cart of life, the status quo, the ordinary comforts, because its essential energy is re- is regarded as related specifically to the revival. So the life of the individual thus conditioned is presented with those situations wherein choice must be made. So that's a determining factor in this sign. Will the person choose to continue along the line of the personality? Or will they instead turn in another direction towards the soul? This opportunity comes as a result of a developing mental focus. And this shifts the focus and tips the scales towards the light. Inner poise and alignment are essential tools for making right choice in our lives. The ability to choose from a point of inner strength and focus can be seen in the moment the Olympic athlete takes prior to executing his or her performance, or when it pulls together prior to executing their work together. These brief moments before the start of any project serve to empower the higher forces to come into play and work through the individual or group. Such moments are deceiving, however, because it makes the whole process look somewhat easy. But we know that the ability to well is always preceded by many, many long hours of training. And on a spiritual path, that training is primarily on the mental plane, working with, in the case of the Agni Yoga teachings and the Bailey teachings, working with the path of Raja Yoga. Libra is related to that space within consciousness, which is sometimes termed, termed the midway point. This is the cleavages are resolved, and one learns to walk the middle way, the razor-edged path. And this space leads from the mundane to the magnificent, from darkness to light, and eventually from the unreal to the real. And we all need to find that place within consciousness in order to clarify our path and live in truth as we understand 
at any period in our lives. Through this means, the astral waters can be quelled, the higher inspiration tapped, and then anchored and expressed on earth in the physical brain consciousness. This is the way of the white magician. This Libra capacity for the mixing and blending of different states of consciousness is highlighted in one of the this sign. It's called the master of no man's land. At first glance, the mastery of such a place would appear of little significance in the grand scheme of things. But what does it mean to master no man's land? This land is defined in the dictionary as the disputed ground between the front lines or trends of opposing armies. It's the disputed ground. It's also defined as an indeterminate or undefined place or state. When you consider this definition, you can see how clearly it reflects the situation that's unfolded in our world today. And we know that this time is governed by the energy of Libra. So with these definitions in mind, we can see the challenges involved for those who willingly step into this unknown territory, this no man's land that lies between It presents the challenge of working in a territory wherein you have no real preparation or understanding of what's being asked of you. And therefore, this is the the new group of world servers who are charged with treading this no man's land, building the bridge which is needed within consciousness through which the light can flow and the two opposing forces brought into alignment with one another. In this no man's land, there are no signposts and lamps along the way to guide the traveler. There's often much darkness and traps and weariness that emerge within this land. The group, however, is charged with providing the delicate brush strokes to weave and blend the disparate energies and with them forge something new in the center that can help ease the tension and bring in the light and color. As we come to understand the nature of Libra, we come to see that this mastery of the no man's land is conferred by this sign's bridging capabilities. Through this means, the contours of the mind are widened and radiant strands develop through which the currents can flow. So then when we approach the crossroad moments in the path, we'll have developed the necessary tools that permit solutions. Then the transition periods will not be so challenging and will be embraced instead as opportunities to retain that which is valuable from the past while also emptying ourselves and making the necessary space 
for the new energies to emerge. These periods at the crossroads of bridging through the no man's land are the pivotal moments in our lives and in the history of our planet and therefore its importance and the challenge in mastering it. According to the decisions we make, we will either stand still as individuals or as groups or as humanity. We'll either stand still, we'll move backwards, but only for a time, slowing down the process, or we'll find the thread that will enable us and the collective to forward more rapidly into greater light. The no man's land blends the endings and the beginnings. Another way in which Libra energies can be viewed is as the hub of the wheel. The hub is defined in esoteric astrology as that point in intermediate space where the 12 zodiacal energies meet and cross. That's an amazing definition of what's going on in this sign. The hub is the synthetic point. It's the fulcrum through which a portal is created, giving tremendous power of of vertical direction, allowing the entry of powerful energies. Libra could also be compared to another symbol, that of the jewel in the lotus. And again, similar meaning, it stands for a synthetic point. It's the diamond light that anchors and distributes that which lies beyond and radiates it out through the seven facets of the jewel. These jewels or central points are of course found at many different levels of consciousness and can be implied, for example, to the role of the Christ himself. Lord Sanat Kumara, who overshadows him. And surely there will one day likewise be found such a jewel radiating forth from the center of humanity. Perhaps this is related to the tiny heart center, which it said the world teacher will build, the seeds of which are surely germinating now in the time of preparation for his reappearance. It said also, is like a field of lotuses in various stages of blossoming. Some pushing up through the murky realms of the astral plane, hidden in the depths. Others emerging as tiny lighted buds as they emerge into the light of the mental plane. While others are blossoming under the clear, cold light. There are those few in which the jewel is shining forth. All these different stages in consciousness are combining to make for the great awakening that's going on within the human kingdom. Libra is said to reveal the simplicity of the soul which in turn is said to open the way into Shambhala. 
it takes the focus of all the concentrated energies of all the signs coming together in Libra in this central point that makes possible the approach to this center of peaceful, silent will. And we can therefore see the potency of this full moon period when perhaps a measure of this peaceful, silent will is pouring in upon us, helping humanity to make decisions in the light of this energy. Libra's position as the hub or the midway spot is reflective of its control over that momentous process. At this time, the soul begins to increasingly turn its attention to the activities of the personality life, gripping it in a powerful manner. During the process of the reversal, the ordinary flow of the human energetic system begins to reverse course. And instead of the inpouring energy stimulating the centers below the diaphragm, they have done for eons of time, they begin to become raised and focused through their higher count correspondence. And gradually a new way of living and being comes to govern the life. Clearly, this long, long process carried forward over many lives causes much disruption to the personality life and its patterns. This fierce struggle enables new qualities to emerge, brought to light and growing confrontation between the soul and the personality. And because this process is strongly influenced by the sign of Libra. It's also conditioned by the esoteric ruling planet Uranus, which is a powerful factor in bringing this reversal about. For Uranus is related to the turning upside down of the tables, to reversing the ordinary course of life and how things are done. And it grounds the energy in form being the seventh ray planet. At the close of this long process of reversal carried forward, there eventually ensues a complete reorientation within consciousness. The soul now becomes the ruler, and the personality is finally tamed by it. There's then no danger of turning onto the left-hand path, no danger of the personality gaining supremacy. It's said that the reason there's such a ferocious backlash being undertaken today by the forces of materialism is on account of the fact that so many individuals have already reversed the wheel and are consequently moving onto the path of the higher energy. And the effort is now being attempted by these darker forces to slow down and cause serious delays in the ability of the many aspirants and disciples to move towards this important turning point. This midway point which Libra governs could perhaps be portrayed quite simply 
in a poem written by Rabindranath Tagore. The poem's called On the Seashore and ostensibly is about children playing innocently on a beach. But perhaps we could take the liberty of viewing it in another way, as an allegory for the spiritual seekers of the world, the little children as they're sometimes called, the disciples of the first and second degrees. As such, we can visualize the scene painted by Tagore's words as reflective of that in-between space within consciousness, that midway point wherein the land, water, and air merge and blend. In the poem, we see the children as carefree and joyous, reminding us that this is the quality we too must convey if we are to give natural expression to our souls. And as we do so, we become creative, building castles out of sand, unattached to results and harmless in our undertakings, not taking ownership of our labors, not holding them fast to ourselves. And I'll simply read the first verse of the poem as it conveys the essential quality. It states, on the seashore of endless worlds meet, the infinite sky is motionless overhead and the restless water is boisterous. On the seashore of endless worlds, the children meet with shouts and dances. They build their houses with sand and they play with empty shells. With withered leaves, they weave their boats and smilingly float them on the vast deep. Children have their play on the seashore of worlds. They know not how to swim. They know not how to cast nets. Pearl fishers dive for pearls. Merchants sail in their ships. While children gather pebbles and scatter them again. They seek not for hidden treasures. They know not how to cast nets. So these young disciples who are ourselves were learning to create and work within a focused group field, tuning in with the energy of the ashram, working as the fingers of one hand, each engaged but contributing to a united focus. The Tibetan teacher provides another visual description which, which perhaps can serve to inspire our creative imagination as to the nature of this inner space within consciousness, which is called the ashram, that midway point helps us to work from. He describes it as a room full of peace and calm, of books and enterprise, wherein the master sits and works and thinks, projecting thought, working within, above, and all around, while through the room pass many. It is their right to pass. 
So now let's work together with our meditation. And we'll start by reading the keynote of this full moon approach to the hierarchy. He who faces the light and stands within its radiance is blinded to the issues of the world of men. on the lighted way to the great center of absorption. But he who feels the urge to pass that way, yet loves his brother on the darkened path, revolves upon the pedestal of light and turns the other way. He faces towards the dark, and then the seven points of light within himself transmit the outward streaming light. And lo, the face of those upon the darkened way receives that light. For them, the way is not so dark. Behind the warriors, twixt the light and dark, blazes the light of hierarchy. So let's link together on the mental plane, focused within that center point of the cross, the fixed cross of discipleship. Linking with all the people throughout the world. And we sound together the mantra of group future. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. And now we work in the stage of alignment. We project a line of lighted spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart. This is the great ashram of Sanat Kumara. and of the Christ who stands at the center of the hierarchy. And we extend the line of light toward Shambhala, 
the center where the will of God is known. Higher interlude. Hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala and radiated through the hierarchy. Using the creative imagination, visualize the three planetary alignment and interplay.
meditation on the keynote for Libra. I choose the way that leads between the two great lines of force.
precipitation. Using the creative imagination, visualize the energies of light, love, and the will to good pouring throughout the planet and becoming anchored on earth in prepared physical plane centers through plan can manifest. Use the sixfold progression of divine love as the sequence of energy precipitation. Shambhala, hierarchy, the Christ, the new group of world servers, men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, physical plane centers of distribution. Lower interlude. Refocus as a group within the periphery of the great ashram and together sound the affirmation of love. In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I 
the soul will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through the hierarchy and streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. Consider how these inpouring energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the outpouring of light and love and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets, London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men. The purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. And just a reminder, the exact time of the full moon occurs here in New York tomorrow morning at 10.56 a.m. And we'd love to you to our event um, on Saturday, November 6th, which is the World Goodwill Seminar. And here in New York, it begins at 1.00 till 4.30 p.m. And you should be receiving an email or should have already received an email about that and also perhaps a postal mailing. And we really look forward to seeing all of you there for that day of the new we'll be working with. And then the Scorpio full moon meeting will occur on Thursday, November 18th at 
6.30 p.m. And then the following Sagittarius new moon will be on Friday, December 3rd at 6 p.m. So thank you all. And let's all try and link up tomorrow morning for that important opportunity of the exact time. Thank you and good night.